You are listening to HHS bonus content from the Hillbilly Horror Stories Network. This bonus content is released during the week for your listening pleasure while awaiting the release of Sunday's actual Hillbilly Horror Stories episode. All bonus content will be listed as HHS Presents or HHS Midweek while the actual Hillbilly Horror Stories episodes will have only an episode number and the title listed, for example, 187, The Kentucky Vampires. Those episodes are a longer deep dive into a particular subject. If you are new to the show and the bonuses aren't your style, get the full-length episode to try. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to episode 13 of Paranormal Encounters. Hey. We've got Steve Fuller from the How We Met uh, podcast on oh, well, yeah. a little bit later mm-hmm. to tell some of his paranormal stories, creepy stuff from Ooh. the mountains in Virginia. Nice. We're going to start with a couple of little stories here. I will begin, if that's okay with you, princess. That's okay, baby doll. This is called My Friend Butchie Remembered. My belief in the afterlife is stronger after an episode that happened to me more than 30 years ago. In 1968, I worked at the Miami Herald alongside an elderly lady, Butchie, who became a good friend of mine. We used to discuss religion and afterlife experiences, and we both said that if one of us died, we would try to contact the other. In 1970, I married and moved away, and we lost touch. On the night of December 20th, 1971, we received a call from Butchie's husband, Charles. He told us that Butchie had died of cancer that afternoon, Mm. and he was trying to let everyone know. I was upset. I never got to say goodbye to her. I hadn't spoken to her since I moved away. That evening, I went to bed as usual and was close to dreaming when two wrinkled fingers nudged me out of my sleep. I woke up. I looked around my bedroom, but no one was there. I checked, and no one in my household had been in my bedroom. I knew it was Butchie. She always kept three fingers on her headset wire while using her other two fingers to nudge me to get my attention when she was on the phone. (laughs) I had another strange experience in the 1990s when I went to Boston with my family on vacation. My husband and I had been fussing in our motel, and he left with my daughter to go to a car show. While he was gone, I started to feel the worst pain in my backside, leaving me breathless. It didn't let up, and the motel manager called for an ambulance. I could hear my mother saying, It will be all right, honey. Just hang in there. I was taken to the hospital and discovered I had a kidney stone. Our vacation was cut short. When we returned home, I visited my mother in the little town in Florida that she lived in. Mother asked me, What happened to you on the trip? I told her, and she said, I knew something was wrong. I felt it. She asked me what day it happened, and I told her. She told me that the day that she had sensed something had happened to me was the same day. She couldn't quite figure out what it was, except that it was a bad premonition. She is gone now, but I have never thought about us being that close until it happened so far away. That's from Helen in Lithonia, Georgia. Oh, man. So... The mother wasn't on the vacation when no. that happened, but she knew something she was, was wrong. Yeah. So then that was Butchie probably saying, don't worry, honey, it'll be okay, you think? No, I think it was the mom because the mom said when she hooked up with her mom afterwards that, her, that she had sensed something was wrong. Oh, okay, gotcha. So somehow gotcha. or another, her mom spoke to her without even knowing she spoke to her. Oh. That makes sense. That does make sense. Man, that sucks. All right, Trace, what do you got for us? 
This one's called Urgent Message. Awoke from my dream with such a start that at first I thought my hand had come in contact with a live electric circuit. In my dreams, my brother Glenn, who had been dead for over a year, had come to me with a package instructing me to gift wrap it and take it to our father as soon as possible. Glenn seemed aware of the fact that the recent difficult birth of my son had kept me from traveling 40 miles to see our ailing father, D.D. Smith, who lived in Philadelphia. As my brother turned to go, I asked him how he could visit me when he was dead. He reached out and touched my hand, imploring me that not to be afraid. As our hands touched again, an electrifying shock raced up my arm, instantly awakening me. Two days later, on February 28, 1955, I went to see my father. I assured myself the dream had been nothing to do with the sudden decision. I merely was anxious for my father to meet his new grandson. I told myself, however, I knew the dream was urging me on. I found my father's health so improved that on the way home, I sheepishly related the dream and its resultant fears to my husband. We both agreed that dreams were meaningless. But the next day, March the 1st, we knew better. My sister called to tell me my father had a stroke and he had died. And that is from Phyllis from Williamstown, New Jersey. Oh. Well, thank God she got there and got to see him. So, so I mean, that, that's, what that's, her brother, probably, that's why his brother came to yeah. say, you, know, you, need, you, need, you need, to need to go, go now. Aww. But I would tell him there's ways to let me know without shocking the hell out of me. <laughs> like you just rubbed your feet off across uh, yeah. the carpet. And yeah. Just, you know. Well, maybe he was a you know, deep sleeper or something. You never know. It's possible. Well, I'm glad that that worked out, and I'm sorry that his daddy died. That's sad. All right, so let's give a listen to Steve real quick. Okay. Hey guys, I've got special guests with me tonight. I've got Steve Fuller. Him and his wife, Angel, been in bands all their lives, so you know we got plenty to talk about because I love my music. They currently do the How We Met True Love Stories podcast. Tracy and I were just on that show last week. We had a blast. They have a really fun show, and Steve was telling me about some of his paranormal experiences and uh, he's been a long-time listener of the show, so I thought I would bring him on. First of all, thanks for having us on your show, Steve, and thanks for coming on this one. Oh, my goodness, Jerry. Thank you guys for taking time out of your busy schedule to come on our little show. I tell you, it was such an honor and a privilege. You guys treated us with so much respect, more than we deserve, and I am so appreciative. Well, first of all, you deserve all the respect you get because you just do. Because you're human, and that's the way we treat everybody. It doesn't matter if you're just starting out as a podcaster, if you've been doing it forever, or if you don't have a podcast. We treat everybody the exact same way because that's how people deserve to be treated. I agree. But thank you for, for giving us the opportunity. We appreciate it. We Believe it or not, we don't get offered to come on to very many podcasts. Maybe five, maybe? In the time we've been doing this, really? I think it might have been only, you know, I mean, it, I, and if I started counting them, it might need to be closer to 10, but it hadn't been as many as you would probably think. Right, right. Our podcast, of course, we, we're about how couples meet and you and Miss Tracy is just, to me, in the podcast world are rock stars. So you, it was just wonderful to have you guys. Well, we appreciate it. And your show is fun because like 
once you talk to the people, you come on beforehand and talk about like what the price of bread and stuff was at the year that somebody got married. And yes. so it's just a bunch of cool. It's not just the relationship. It's actually some other cool stuff that's kind of brought into it. I thought it was fun. Well, Miss Angel, uh, my wife, she had the idea. She forever wanted to write a book on how couples meet. But we decided since we were in music and recording to do a podcast. So she does. She does all the research about what's going on in the year that the couples meet. But uh, that's on our main show on Wednesdays. But then on Mondays, it's a little lighthearted and a comedy segment on Mondays. So we try to break it up and have something for everybody. And then on Fridays, we do something It's called Bonus Friday. It's just something like the history of love, the history of the proposal. You know, the history of the wedding ring. Just, we try to uh, have something for everybody. Well, good. Well, let's get into some paranormal. All right. So you are from Virginia. That's right. And you've got some Hatfields and McCoy stuff to talk about. Well, this is, it's a weird story. First of all, I'm from the southwestern tip of Virginia, and I've got to stress you know, the southwest tip of Virginia, or people automatically think I'm from southwest Virginia, you know, the southwest part of West Virginia. No, but I'm from southwestern Virginia. And my family owns a a track of land, a sizable track of land. It's a mountain there. And uh, there's a coal mine uh, on that mountain that my family, you know, uh, back in the turn of the century and then all the way up through the 40s mined on that property. On one section of the land, there's a cemetery that has Hatfields and McCoys buried in the same graveyard on different sides of the graveyard. And yeah, it's from the lineage lineage of those Hatfields and McCoys. But then you have the Fuller Cemetery on up near where the old home site was. So it's it's very interesting the 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 stories that I heard growing up and then what later in life I experienced is what we're going to talk about tonight. And being uh, the line of work that I'd done outside of music, I had to hold a national security clearance. And so I had to, you know, really think about, should I be telling these stories or not? You know, (laughs) right. So, but my grandmother, she was just one of the most down to earth women that you could meet. She wouldn't lie to no one. She was just the most honest. She was you know, born and raised in that age of hard work and honesty. My grandfather was killed in the 40s as a result of coal mining. My father was four years old, and we're, I think it was like 1944 when my grandfather, he was burned alive in a coal truck. And my uh, grandmother had 12 children. Now, this is leading into one of the little uh, occurrences on this mountain. So every morning, my grandfather, before he would go off to the mines, he would hook to a, literally, a horse and buggy, take it out to the fields, do whatever he needed to do on the farm that day prior to going to work, which would be feeding cattle or whatever it may be. So she had 12 children. After he died, she said that she still got up at, you know, four o'clock in the morning and would start with the daily chores, start fixing breakfast. And she said that she would started hearing three or four days later after he was buried there on Fuller Mountain, that she started hearing that horse and wagon come by the house like it would every morning when he was going to the fields. You know, this went on for a week and she thought, you know, am I going crazy? 
or is this just grief? And finally, she decided to get every one of the children up, which there were 12 of them, and place them all around that house, look out every window to see if there was somebody coming through that she just was missing or if she was just hearing things. And every one of those children the next morning got up and at 5 a.m., the same time that he traveled, heard that horse and buggy come by the front door and into the darkness and they never heard it again. Now, my father, of course, was four years old and his brothers and sisters, he was one of the youngest. My whole childhood, they would refuse to talk about that. My grandmother told this story and I had one aunt to uh, that would talk about it and it just chilled them to the bones you know but after the children heard him and after she heard it with the children never heard the horse and buggy again so that's just you know one instance it's something about this mountain so of course she being of the times she remarried a couple years later and as she married another coal miner it is exactly one mile from the bottom to the main road that runs through the community to the top of this mountain and it is a old you know horse trail the road is it's very rough today when we go up we have to take four-wheel drives so he would walk one mile from the house down the mountain to catch a ride come in at night walk a mile back well my mother had already married my father and they just happened to be at my grandmother's one evening and it had been raining it was very foggy outside some hard storms coming through you know how it gets real foggy and higher elevations well this mountain gets very very foggy he usually got in around 7 30 around eight o'clock he still hadn't got home and they were getting a little concerned and my grandmother was going to send my father off of the mountain to see if you know he could see him he uh, put his boots back on got to the door went to the door opened the door and his stepfather was standing there white as a sheet speechless they got him in the house he was just shook up he couldn't talk after a while giving him coffee and him calming down he told the story. He said he started up the mountain. It was raining so hard. It was so foggy. He couldn't see. And there was a path that they could take that would make it shorter. But it was a cliff to the right-hand side. He had to be very careful. said he started up that path, couldn't see, lost his way, and said he was standing there in the dark trying to get his bearing and said something or somebody took him by the hand and pulled and led him all the way to the front door of that old house he said he never it was so black and so foggy he couldn't see the figure it was just a cold hand took his and led him to the front door of the house and he was terrified from then he would not he would be back at the house before dark from then on till he died so you know as i heard these (laughs) stories growing up kind of in the back of your mind you know you're Parents and your grandparents wouldn't purposely lie to you, but maybe it's just something they would tell you. It takes me to my experience. My father, he passed away a few years back, but he loved that land. He loved that mountain, Jerry. I went with a friend of mine. He was actually a bandmate of mine. We were in and uh, decided to go up on the mountain with my father one day to, to help do some bush hogging. 
we're up there and we spend 10 hours that day on the mountain doing farm work and it's just the weirdest thing i was we had a little shelter by the fuller graveyard that day i could remember it like it was yesterday i went and sat down at a picnic table to have some water and i just had you know how you get that feeling like someone's watching you yeah well I, I got that feeling and i'm not a paranoid guy I, I literally i've traveled the country with my work and with music and i just don't get paranoid and it was just i could feel something watching me so i've you know looked around didn't see that and the rest of the guys were over in the fields and i could see them off at a distance that evening i get back to my house i come in watch tv whatever go on to bed i found up on that mountain two marvels that day out in the field and my father said well it's probably marvels that they had lost as kids i put them in my pocket brought them home that night i'm laying in bed and i had a glass top kitchen table you remember back in the late 80s, early 90s, it was real popular. Yep, with the glass. They were big. Yeah, so I had one. And it sounded like I had a ceiling fan over the table, and it sounded like a marvel falling from the ceiling fan, hitting the table and rolling off and hitting the floor. And I, it woke me up, and I laid there and thought, well, am I asleep? Or is it, you know, so I was sure that I was awake. I got up, I turned the lights on, and I heard in the kitchen, that i mean it just like one after another i walk into the kitchen i turn the light on and i hear it one more time i hear it i don't see nothing but i mean i hear it it's like somebody dropping a marble on a piece of glass hit rolling and hitting the floor in my mind i'm thinking well it was hot today i was out in the sun a long time <laughs> so I drink some more water and I, you know, kind of gather myself. I finally get back to bed. You know, this is 11, 30, 12 o'clock by this time. I wake up out of a dead sleep. It was the strangest thing. I wake up out of a dead sleep and I hear coming through the kitchen, somebody with boots like cowboy boots. I can just hear the boots, you know, how the steps are. So I'm thinking, well, somebody at the house, what's going on? Somebody breaking in. So I rush up out of bed, go straight to the kitchen, turn the lights on. The doors are locked. Nobody's in the house. And I'm thinking, yep, I absolutely got too much sun today. So, <laughs> so another, you know, glass of water and I finally get my senses and back to bed again. At 2.30 a.m., I know it because I, I see the clock in my head like it was yesterday. I wake up just, I mean, have you ever just woke up and you're 100% alert? Yep. That's what happened. I woke up. I'm 100% alert. And Jerry, I raise up in the bed and it's, it's dark in the bedroom, but there is a man. He looks, I don't know, very skinny, bibbed overalls, old man with a very, very thick mustache and he is hunched down like squatted in the corner in that bedroom just looking at me i'll go into a panic of course i'm startled i jump up i flip the lights as i'm headed out the door and turn around there's nobody there jerry i swear i saw a man sitting there <laughs> it, i'm not just making this up and that's why i say I, I hesitate telling these stories because i'm not crazy i hope i'm not but I talked to my father the next day, and I'm telling him all this. And my father was one of the most straight shooters that you could ever meet. He asked me to describe what I saw. There's a McCoy that was buried on the mountain 
the last McCoy buried. He said, I just described him to a T and he died in the mid 60s. It's crazy. I don't know. So that brings us up to present day. My father dies several years ago. Before he died, he had put posts up around the Fuller Cemetery to expand it, to make it larger. He knew, you know, the next generation's getting older, including himself. Before he could expand the cemetery, he fell ill and we lost him. So my brother, who is he's a little bit older than I am, him and his wife decided to go on the mountain one day and they're mowing the grass in the cemetery. And he decides that, you know, those posts just don't look good standing up and uh, it's going to be a while before we expand that cemetery. So he told his wife, you know, uh, hey, I'm going to jump on a tractor. You follow me up here with the truck and we're going to pull in posts up. So he gets on the tractor. She gets behind him and the horn starts blowing and he's thinking, well, there's something wrong. She needs him to stop. So he pulls the tractor over and he's looking behind her and she's just sitting in the truck and the horn's just blowing like, you know, she's laying on the horn. Well, he looks back and, you know, like, what? What do you want? Well, finally, she holds her hands up and he can see through the glass that her hands are up in the air. The horn of that truck is just going off. She jumps out of the truck. He comes back and he's fooling with and it won't stop. And she said, his name's Frank. She said, Frank, your dad don't want you to take those posts out. The horn stopped right then. And it had been on. I said, how long was it on? And he said, over two minutes. That it was just solid. He was getting ready to pull the, the battery. You know, the battery. He was going to unhook the battery to stop the horn till he could unhook the horn. But as soon as those words come out of her mouth, the horn stopped. And this is not an old truck. It was a new truck, newer truck, you know. So there's something about that mountain, Jerry. <laughs> he decided to leave them in? He decided, and they're still there today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to take them out. It's an odd place. It's the most beautiful and serene place I've ever been in my life. I don't know. I've taken Miss Angel many times to the mountain, and it just, I don't think I would stay overnight, in a, you know, camping out. <laughs> So it's just got that feel to it. I know, you know, with the coal mines being up there and the incidents that's happened. And my brother actually built a cabin on it and he put a, he travels, he put a camera up there. Some of the things that he's caught on that camera, I just can't explain myself. You know, there's no one for miles around and there's just black masses comes across the screen of that camera and the camera's up in a tree just facing the cabin. And he, he got one night. The front gate uh, to the porch on that cabin was open and then closed it. And I said, well, what's the big deal about that? He said, look at the latch. <laughs> the latch popped up. It's an old latch on it that, you know, like a barrel mm-hmm. latch, a barrel lock where you push it in and out. It unlocked and opened. And then it closed back. It didn't relatch, but the, the, the gate shut back. So it, it's very odd. Yeah, that's some freaky stuff there, Steve. Yeah, so I thought I would share that with you because, you know, it's real life and stuff happens and we can't always explain it, Jerry. Ain't that the truth? Just like your other podcast, Falling in Love with People, you can't always explain that either. <laughs> I, I tell you what, I, I've pondered on that a lot longer than I have that mountain and I still haven't figured <laughs> that out. Yeah. <laughs> Steve, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Tell everybody real quick how they can find your podcast. Absolutely. Thanks again, Jerry. And and come check us out. It's How We Met True Love Stories. Check us out on the web at howwemettls.com. Awesome. And you can find it anywhere you listen to podcasts. They're on all the major uh, networks, so you can find them on there on the platforms. 
So Absolutely. All right. Thanks, Steve. I appreciate it, brother. Tell Angel I said hi. Absolutely. Tell Miss Tracy I said hello as well, please. I will. Thank you. Now, see, those are some fun stories. He said that if we ever get out that way, he'll take us up to that property. Oh, that so would we be can awesome. Go camping. <laughs> now, I don't know about that camping stuff now. He said he don't even want to go camping up there. Oh, so, well, hell no. I, <laughs> what the, so why's he going to drag us along? <laughs> <laughs> he'll just like set us up and be like, I'll see you in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's anyway, all I th- right. I thought those were super fun. Yeah. And, and like I said, the episode we did with them is up. So if you get a chance, go to the How We Met uh-huh. podcast true love stories yeah and that was fun go ahead and, and listen to our episode if you haven't already we posted it back and when it came out a week and a half or so on our page but i don't know how many people seen it because hell i don't see half the stuff on our page oh so. okay okay cool all right guys thank you so much and we'll see you next week i love y'all